0: Today is September 10th, and I have the pleasure of being your host for this podcast called Born on This Day. And I have the pleasure of being your co-host, Bill Antonio. Bill, I want to wish you a happy National TV Dinner Day. Ooh, I don't think I've ever eaten a TV dinner, maybe once or twice. Neither have I, but in 1953, Swanson and Sons changed their prepackaged meal business forever, introducing the TV Dinner, which revolutionized frozen food. Now,
1: is it called that because you eat it in front of the TV or is it because of the what the, the tray looks like?
0: I always thought it was because of the shape. I think it coincided with the fact at that time TVs were kind of in everyone's homes. Right. And uh, the way they did it, I don't know, to be honest with you, but it was a brilliant business move for this company. Now, what kind
1: of torture would your Italian mother have had to go through before she would allow her children to eat
0: a TV dinner? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I think if we would have, like begged her for it she probably would have did it just so that we could have had it but i don't ever remember having a tv dinner it just i could have her- begged
1: like i could have circled the neighborhood on my knees until they were bloody and skinless and my mother would still not have given in and let me eat that stuff yeah no i, never- I became a junk food fanatic as an adult because of the fact that my parents never let us eat any of that shit
0: so did you have any as an adult
1: no no well, if you're gonna No, have... I eat more fast food than I should because okay. of the fact that we were never allowed to eat it, but I've never had an interest in TV dinners. Yeah, nothing about
0: yeah. it. I mean, I think as well, since we've eaten food on the plane, mm-hmm. uh, plane food, it doesn't really like have a, a <laughs> curiosity for me.
1: No, and certainly not a great reputation. Yeah.
0: Well, listen, if you're born today, you are characterized by strong will, tactfulness. Your friends and family always seem to marvel at your ability to overcome obstacles and preserve Uh, persevere rather until the job is done the big irony with you is that you really go out of your way to understand people however Mm. this does not translate well in many cases they say that you don't really know them at all
1: interesting Well, our first birthday celebrant's uh, ex-wife probably says that about him. Guy Ritchie dropped out of high school at 15 and immediately started working on film sets, eventually becoming a director whose breakthrough heist film Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels made him instantly popular, including a rather famous pop star who called him to get the film's soundtrack on her record label and ended up marrying him for a decade. Wow. Their film together, Swept Away, earned Madonna a Razzie, But Richie's films Snatch, The Man from U.N.C.L.E., Aladdin, and The Gentleman are held in much higher regard. He was born on this day in Hatfield, England in 1968.
0: Wow. Following a decade as a jobbing actor in films like A Month in the Country, Valmont, Apartment Zero, and Another Country, Colin Firth found himself turned into an international sex symbol with his role as Mr. Darcy and that infamous scene with the wet shirt in the 1995 BBC adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. High-profile supporting roles in The English Patient and Shakespeare in Love followed. Later, Bridget Jones's Diary, Girl with the Pearl Earring, and Love Actually, before his role in Tom Ford's A Single Man earned him his first Oscar nomination, and his role as George VI in The King's Speech won him that prize. Recently, he starred in Rupert Everett's The Happy Prince, Mary Poppins Returns, and The Kingsman Films, and was born on this day in Hampshire, England in 1960.
1: A brief stint on one life to live led to Ryan Phillippe breaking into films with Ridley Scott's White Squall and Tony Scott's Crimson Tide before becoming a high-profile teen idol in I Know What You Did Last Summer, Fifty Four, and Cruel Intentions. Later, he appeared in Gosford Park, the series Damages, and in the films The Lincoln Lawyer and The Bang Bang Club. He was born on this day in Newcastle, Delaware, in 1974.
0: I saw White Squall in the movie theaters. If you that's can not read. a good movie. No, it's not. No, Arnold. It's a shame. Sorry, Arnold Palmer was born on this day in 1929. He was an American professional golfer who is generally regarded as one of the greatest and most charismatic players in the sports history. Dating back to 1955, he won numerous events on both the PGA Tour and the circuit now known as the PGA Tour Champions Nicknamed the King, he was one of golf's most popular stars and seen as a trailblazer, the first superstar in the sports television age, which began in the 1950s, of course. Palmer died on September 25th, 2016, shortly after his 87th birthday while awaiting heart surgery. It is said that he died with an iced tea in one hand and a lemonade in the other. <laughs>
1: Twin actors Harry and Luke Treadaway were born on this day, and good luck telling them apart. Harry stars as Victor Frankenstein on Penny Dreadful and on the series Star Trek Picard. Luke was in Attack the Block, Clash of the Titans, and Angelina Jolie's Unbroken. They were born on this day in Exeter, England in 1984.
0: Jonathan Shake became a famous sex symbol with his performance in The Doom Generation and How to Make an American Quilt, followed by appearances in That Thing You Do, Welcome to Whoop Whoop and The Sweetest Thing. More recently, he appeared on Ray Donovan and Quantico. Not long ago, he contributed his voice to the Me Too movement, revealing that, his, that he was sexually assaulted by director Franco Zeffirelli on the set of his first film, Sparrow. He was born on this day in Edgewood, Maryland in 1969. Amy Irving appeared in a number of TV movies before being cast in her first feature
1: film role as Sue Snell in Brian De Palma's Carrie, in which her real-life mother Priscilla Poynter co-starred as her mother. Oh. She followed it with roles in The Fury, Honeysuckle Rose, and The Competition before receiving an Oscar nomination for her performance in Barbara Streisand's Yentl, which she followed with the films Mickey and Maud* and Crossing Delancey. Her five-year marriage to director Steven Spielberg resulted in a divorce that netted her a $100 million settlement. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. But she continues to show up to work anyway, giving acclaimed performances in the films Carried Away and Bossa Nova, which were directed by her second husband, Bruno Barreto, and the series Zero Hour. She was born on this day in Palo Alto, California in 1953. I love Yentl. I know it's something weird I, to say. Okay. I really liked it. I like a lot of the songs. I love Amy Irving. I think she's amazing. And, uh, you know, at one point I was like, I wonder why we don't see her all that much. It's like, well, when you're sitting on a $100 million settlement, I mean, who knows how much of it she lost to taxes, but it's still uh, a pretty
0: chunk of change. It certainly is. That's what happens when your husband cheats. Oh, there you go. Chris Columbus wrote the screenplay for The Goonies, and its success allowed him to move into directing films of his own which he did successfully starting with adventures in babysitting then home alone and home alone 2 mrs doubtfire nine months and stepmom later he directed the first two harry potter adaptations and was nominated for an oscar producing the help before directing more recent films like pixels he was born on this day in sprangler pennsylvania in 1958
1: Edmund O'Brien was one of Hollywood's most reliable characters, frequently playing henchmen types in films like The Killers and A Double Life, plus had a rare lead role in the original version of DOA. Then later, he won a Best Supporting Actor Oscar for his performance as the observer of an ill-fated romance in Joseph L. Mankiewicz's The Barefoot Contessa. He was also in Pete Kelly's Blues, The Girl Can't Help It, with Jane Mansfield. Birdman of Alcatraz, and was nominated for a second Oscar for Seven Days in May by John Frankenheimer. He was born on this day in New York City in 1915, and he died in 1985 at the age of 69.
0: Philip Baker Hall's first movie was in 1970, a brief role in Antonioni's Zabriskie Point, but he became much better known when he began appearing in Paul Thompson Anderson's films in the late 90s, including Hard 8, Boogie Nights, and Magnolia. He also played Richard Nixon in Robert Altman's one-man movie show, Secret Honor, and starred in Cradle Will Rock, The Talented Mr. Ripley, Bruce Almighty, wow, so many films, Dogville, Zodiac, and Rush Hour. Rush Hour. At 89, he's still working, appearing this year on on the series Messiah. He was born on this day in Toledo, Ohio, in 1931. James
1: Duvall started out working in the early films of independent filmmaker Greg Araki, including Totally Fucked Up, The Doom Generation, and Nowhere, which led to an impressive career that includes the blockbusters Gone in 60 Seconds and Independence Day, and the cult favorites Donnie
0: Darko and Go. He was born on this day in Detroit in 1972. Well, Kate Burton was also born today and is probably best known for her recurring guest spot on the main as the main character's mother, Dr. Ellis Gray, on Gray's Anatomy. But she's also appeared on the series Scandal, Veep, The Good Wife, and in the films Unfaithful, The Ice Storm, and Big Trouble in Little China. She's all over television these days. Anytime mm-hmm. you see a woman who's a strong-willed of that age, she's playing it. She made her first appearance... On the film, in an uncredited role in Anne of a Thousand Days, starring her father, Richard Burton. Oh, I had no idea Richard Burton was her father. Yep. This is incredible. And she was born on this day in Geneva, Switzerland in 1957. She
1: doesn't look a thing like him. No. As far as I'm concerned, but she, uh, yep. But she's incredible. Google uh, photos of her as a child hanging out with her uh, stepmom, Elizabeth Taylor. Wow. Yeah. Robert Wise began his career as a film editor on such prestigious projects as Citizen Kane and The Magnificent Ambersons, moving into directing with the films The Curse of the Cat People and Blood on the Moon, before gaining fame in the 50s with The Day the Earth Stood Still, Somebody Up There Likes Me, and I Want to Live, then in the 60s winning two Best Director Oscars for West Side Story and The Sound of Music. He directed the first Star Trek movie and was born on this day in Winchester, Indiana in 1914. He died
0: in 2005 at the age of 91. Karl Otto Lagerfeld was born on this day in 1933 in Hamburg, Germany. He was a creative director, fashion designer, artist, photographer. He was known as the creative director of the French fashion house Chanel, a position he held from 1983 until his death. And he was also a creative director of the Italian fur and leather goods fashion house Fendi. And of course, of his own fashion label. He, uh, you know, he was known for his signature white hair and black sunglasses, fingerless gloves, and high starched uh, detachable collars. Lagerfeld, pardon me?
1: On the fan. Every time you saw him at a fashion show, he had that fan like he was a Spanish lady. That's right. That's right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Lagerfeld once said, if you ask me what I'd most like to have invented in fashion, I'd say the white shirt. For me, the white shirt is the basis of everything. Everything else comes after. He died on February 19th, 2019 at the age of 85.
1: And also Madonna asked him to do the costumes for her human nature video. And he said, no. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Bessie Love started acting in films in 1915, then 15 years later gave one of the first great performances in a talkie in the second Best Picture Oscar winner, The Broadway Melody, for which she was nominated for Best Actress. She only made a handful of films in the 30s before giving up and moving to England having a resurgence in character roles in British films in her later years, including The Ritz, Sunday Bloody Sunday, and in her last role, Tony Scott's The Hunger. She was born on this day in Midland, Texas in 1898 and died in 1986 at the tender age of 87. There you go. Bill, who
0: did do the costumes for? Um, I don't remember. It? I
1: don't remember if it was Terry Mugler or if it was, if it was not someone that I was aware of. Um, some designers don't like artists who love to play the field some designers Thank want you, you to be exclusive and i, and I Madonna's guess, although she, he didn't say this directly, Madonna's guess was that because she did not align herself directly with him exclusively he didn't like the idea of doing her costumes for one video. Because you know Madonna, her, her tastes and her styles change and she's interested in trying different styles with her fashion as well as her music and all that stuff so she's never had a career that's been solely aligned with one figure
0: sure and you know what bill you turned me onto the podcast uh, inside the groove it's a great yeah. podcast man yeah even regardless of what what you think of madonna's music it's a great podcast if you're into like uh music and artists and but industry.
1: also it, it forces you to appreciate her as a musician as well you know and uh, we, that sort of gets lost in the shuffle when it comes to examining her career indeed so yeah well i hope you had
0: a great september 10th bill because i certainly did
1: i did too we'll
0: see you tomorrow See you tomorrow